Hi guys, welcome to Slashic Horror. If you don't know me by now, I'm your host, Leroy Cross James. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm a horror writer who's written horror articles on horror cinema. But I also write horror fiction too. And I've had several short stories published in the past year, and I have a short story called The Scorching, which is due to be released in an anthology soon called Beach Bodies. And that's been released by Dartlet Press, who you can check out on Twitter and Instagram under the same handle of at Dartlet Press. So naturally, in an anthology called Beach Bodies, The Scorching is a story that's set on a beach, inspired very much by 80s slash movies, but it was also inspired by Italian horror and giallo movies right down to the wacky plot. So, think the works of Lucio Fellucci, uh, Umberto Lenzi, Mario Bava, Michelle Suari, and, of course, Dario Argento. And I've been a long-time fan of Italian horror in giallos, and even now, like with horror in general, I'm discovering more and more films every week in that subgenre, and they surprise me. Like, in fact, I recently watched Lucio Fellucci's The Psychic, aka Murder to the Tune of Seven Black Notes, and I absolutely loved it, especially the piece of music it's associated with. Um, Quentin Tarantino actually used it in Kill Bill Volume 1, When the Bride Wakes Up from the Coma, and I've also watched Michael or, or Michelle Savari's Stage Fright, aka Deliria, for the first time recently, and that was really entertaining. I kind of love that Internationally, they gave these films other names too. Some of them have several, in fact. But this leads me on to my topic for today, and, and the movie which I'm going to talk about, which is Dario Argento's 1985 horror giallo, Phenomena, aka Creepers, as it was known internationally in the US and the UK. And it's the story of a young girl called Jennifer, played by a pre-labyrinth Jennifer Connolly, who relocates to a Swiss boarding school and witnesses a murder while she's sleepwalking. She's later found lost in the woods by a chimpanzee called Inga, who also happens to be the nurse to an entomologist, played by Halloween's Donald Pleasance, who has been trying to help the police solve the local murder of girls with his knowledge of insects. However, Jennifer has a gift... She has a psychic connection to insects, which she uses to help solve the murders. Are you still with me? Are you confused? Did I just make all of that up? No, I did not. Um, And it's this plot that got me intrigued, confused and curious enough to watch this film in the first place many years ago. So I first discovered Phenomenon many, 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 many years ago in Cax which for you US listeners is a second-hand store for movies, games and tech. And to be honest, the DVD cover wasn't that exciting. Um, It was white and it had this still of Jennifer Connelly in the film. But it was when I read the background that I I got really, really excited to check the film out. And the back of the DVD said as follows... Someone is decapitating pupils at an exclusive girls' finishing school in a secluded alpine tourist spot known as the Swiss Transylvania. Can schizophrenic, she's not by the way, sleepwalker Jennifer Covino use her strange telepathic power over insects to unmask the hideous assassin before he's compelled to kill and kill again? Packed with the outrageous, grisly gore Suspiria director Dario Argento has become world famous for, 
including a pit of maggot-infested slimy human remains and a mad monkey climax that has to be seen to be believed, this creepy crawly shocker will tear the strangled screams from your throat. Wow. Whoever wrote that copy, hats off to you. And my reaction to reading that was, take all my fucking money. I am down to see this movie. And guess how much I actually paid for this gem when I got it back in the day? 50 pence. Shocking, right? I mean, I was broken in high school, so it was a good job, really, but 50 pence. It's just mental. I actually, I, I talked about this quite a bit recently with some friends, and going off topic slightly, but back when you would find some obscure cult or lesser-known films in places like Kex or market stores or wherever you got second-hand DVDs and Blu-rays or whatever from, um, or the internet even, uh, for next to nothing. I mean, granted, some of the original releases we had of those films in the UK on DVD were poorly transferred from VHS. Uh, the Canadian slasher movie Curtains comes to mind with that one. But nearly 15 years on, and it amazes me how much cult cinema releases have changed with the likes of distribution labels such as Arrow, 88 Films, 101 Films, uh, Indicator, and... Obviously, in the US, there are some similar, like, Shout, Scorpion releasing, etc. But nowadays, I often find that because of the amount of effort put into remastering and getting various cuts and soundtracks, special edition essay booklets, etc., etc., um, it just... That cult cinema is more expensive to own than a lot of mainstream films nowadays. And I love that it has that status in physical media stores like HMV, they even have their own sections in, in HMV where you can you can see all these cult films by all these distributors rather than them being in one particular section like horror or comedy or whatever. And even secondhand stores like Kex, they're so savvy to it now. And they will charge an arm and a leg for these editions of some of these cult films in general or even ones before they were re-released -re or remastered. I mean, for example, if I wanted to buy an out-of-print Sleepaway Camp DVD... It would cost me £28, and that is crazy. But yeah, not long after watching Phenomena, I really got into Dario Argento's movies, and I, I found a copy of Suspiria in the same Keck store for 50p a week later, so I, I struck lucky there as well. And of course, I loved it. I love Suspiria, but Phenomena was my introduction to Dario Argento's work, and it is totally fucking nuts. And if I remember correctly, it was around this time that Arrow Video started to release editions of certain films. And uh, I think Shameless Entertainment was around then too. Um, who They do a lot of the, the sleazy giallos, um, like Strip New for Your Killer, etc. And Arrow started off by releasing a bunch of Argento films, such as Inferno and Deep Red, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And Phenomena came later on, I believe, and... These movies have had multiple re-releases with this company. They just keep expanding on them and adding new things. And they, the art they commission for these releases is it's absolutely amazing. Um, but I think what I found enticing about this film in general... When I first watched it, it was how strange the style of filming was to me compared to what I'd seen in American or British films. It wasn't my first introduction to Italian horror as it just I, I'd previously seen Zombie and uh, Cannibal Holocaust, for example, but there was just something strange to me about the film overall. I mean, it starts off kind of abruptly, like a lot of Italian films 
do that I've since discovered. And it has this girl played by Theo Argento, uh, I think I pronounced that right, which is Dario's daughter, who's left behind on the school trip and goes looking for help. And as I watched as I watched the English version, I noticed how badly the movie was dubbed. And even though a lot of Italian films back in the day, they had these American or English stars in it, they, they would often redub the audio with the actors afterwards. So the lip syncing in these films can be totally off. And that, that's fine. Um, I mean, that was the first thing I noticed, but it didn't bother me. And even now, when I try to convince people to watch the original Suspiria, because so many people seem to have liked the, the remake, a lot of people say to me, oh, I just can't be doing with the dubbing. Which I get, but it doesn't take away the enjoyment of those films at all. And personally, I think the remake of Suspiria was awful, so that's why I try and sway them to watch the original, but that's just me. So after the lost girl goes into this secluded house, she comes into contact with a killer who's broke free from their chains and chases her to a waterfall where he kills her. And we get this shot of Fjord being stabbed and her head falls back against this window that is randomly next to a waterfall for some reason. And for those of you who haven't seen um, Argento's films before, this is like a signature thing he puts in a lot of his films. And he loves to have his killer like slam someone's head through a window and... Like, in this case, the, the killer decapitates uh, the girl and her head falls into the river where it's discovered later on by the police who take it to an entomologist called John McGregor, who's played by Donald Pleasance. And what he does, he uses insects to on the, on the head, the decapitated head, to determine the time of death. And um, like I said previously, there's a chimp in this film who is a supporting character um, called Inga, and she looks after uh, John McGregor. And of course, I was like, what the fuck am I watching when I first saw this? But I kind of dug it. I mean, I kind of dig the idea of um, this chimp being a, a central character to a horror film. I mean, why not? Um, and later on, we see Jennifer for the first time on her way to boarding school, and she's the daughter of a Hollywood actor called Paul Corvino. And she's chaperoned by Frau Bruckner, played by the amazing Dario Nicolardi, who was married to Dario Argento, but she sadly passed away in 2020, and she's had many memorable roles in his films, such as Deep Red, uh, Tenenbrae, and Opera, but she's also in a lot of other Italian horror films too. Um, so she's kind of had a, a career with Argento, but she's done her own thing outside of his films as well. Um, and... I don't know if, if she's simply supposed to be an employee that's meant to look after Jennifer in this film, or if she actually works at the school. She's just kind of there, and I have no idea why. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, it, it works. Why not? As they travel to the school um, in the car, a bee flies in, and Frau breaks out, uh, freaks out at Jennifer um, because she starts to stroke it and claims that it won't hurt her because um, she loves all insects, which is really weird. But we also get this really random narration, and this is the only time in this film that we get any kind of narration, and it's so fucking random. This guy just goes, <clears throat> And so Jennifer arrives in Switzerland from the New World to pass her first memorable night at the Richard Wagner International School for Girls. Okay, 
And that's literally it. It's so fucking random. It's just out of nowhere. And like I said, there's no other narration in this film except for that. But during her first night at the school, Jennifer gets acquainted with her roommate Sophie, who is a huge fan of her dad and keeps talking about how hot he is to her um, and how she would never get any sleep if she thought about Paul Corvino and she's just being really weird. And if if I was her roommate... And my dad was a famous actor, and she was basically, like, cooing over my dad. I'd literally be like, shut the fuck up, you weirdo, go to sleep. But anyway, uh, she gets equated as well with the headmistress, who takes an instant dislike to her for whatever reason. Uh, Honestly, the headmistress in this is just really bitchy towards Jennifer, and I don't understand why. Um, I mean, in the next scene, we get which is my absolute favourite scene in the movie, by the way. Jennifer tosses and turns in bed. And then all of a sudden she stops. She rises from the bed as Goblin's score kicks in. And we see flashes of a white corridor that represents her vision while she's in this dream state. And she goes sleepwalking. This was the moment I truly fell in love with Dario Argento and his frequent music score collaborators Goblin and Claudio Simonetti. Despite the continuity of Jennifer's hair placement in the scene being totally off, because it, it goes from being behind her back to forward, it's absolutely stunning. And it's from the close-ups of her eyes to the movements that Jennifer Connelly does to the flashes of that white corridor, it's just absolutely stunning. Meanwhile, the girl's being chased by a killer with a rod that has a knife on the end of it. Standard. And she makes her way up to the top of the school building where Jennifer is sleepwalking on the roof. <laughs> Sorry, don't mean to laugh. Um, Jennifer witnesses her being murdered when her head goes through the window. Told you Argento loves windows. And the knife goes straight through her head and out of her mouth. Now, bear in mind here that Jennifer is still meant to be sleepwalking and dreaming. But if you look closely in this scene, you can actually see the killer through the window here. And I spotted this on my first watch, not to brag, but it's actually, I think it's quite obvious. (laughs) But the next few events after this are mental. Like Jennifer falls from the roof where her coat gets caught on, on the edge of the roof and she swings until she eventually falls into a bush below. Then she walks into town is hit by a car with two young boys in it who try and take her somewhere, but she tries to escape the car and then she leaps out of the car into the woods. Now, through all of this, Jennifer is meant to still be sleepwalking. The girls fell from a roof. She's been hit by a car and she jumps out of a car, but she's still asleep. Now, the plausibility of this, I do have to question. It makes for a great couple of scenes, but bloody hell, come on. There is no fucking way that she'd still be sleepwalking or asleep or in a dream state after all that. Absolutely fucking not. And to top it all off, (laughs) Inga the Ape, uh, sorry, Inga the Chimp, finds Jennifer and takes her to John McGregor, who reveals one of his girls was killed by the, the murderer, and she was his assistant, Rita. And he says to Jennifer that he, that she reminds him of Rita. And he also discovers through the insect's reaction to Jennifer, that she has some random connection to them. Especially when a beetle starts this mating call and starts letting off a scent to impress her. However, when asked by John, she doesn't remember anything that happened to her prior to being rescued by Inga. 
Are you sure? Like, are you positive you don't remember falling from a roof, getting hit by a car, then jumping out of a car, and then getting rescued by a chimp? I'm not convinced. But anyway, I love how as well, when the Beatles making his mating call, um, he's <laughs> Donald Pleasance explains how he's releasing the liquid from his glands, which is kind of gross. And then Jennifer uh, says, and to think we only just met. <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm just. I'm just gonna say here. I do love this movie, and I. I absolutely. I, I think it's a great movie. Yes. Okay. There's some moments in it that are laughable. However, I'm. I'm just basically saying that I'm still trying to sell this film to you. Okay, guys. It is a good film, even though I'm laughing while I'm talking about it. But this is what I mean. The plot of this film and the things that happen in it are bonkers. So you just have to go with it, and the payoff is worth it. Trust me. So anyway, later on at the school, the horrible headmistress makes Jennifer get tested via an EEG because sneaking out of the school at night is not normal. Okay. But through this, Jennifer gets flashes of the night before and she starts to remember a few things, which makes her stop the testing altogether. And there's a line here where the headmistress says, Do you suffer from epilepsy or do you take something like, do you understand drugs? The delivery of that line is just hysterical. But anyway. Seriously, like, this woman has got it in for Jennifer so badly. And, again, I don't understand why. <laughs> um, But yeah. The next night, Jennifer's roommate Sophie sneaks out to meet her boyfriend. Even going as far to borrow Jennifer's Giorgio Armani jumper without asking. And I love how when Jennifer wakes up, after talking herself out of sleep, walking... She she notices Sophie's gone, but the second thing she notices is that her jumper's gone missing. Like, if that was me, I can totally relate. If I had to design a jumper, especially a jumper like that, that would be the probably the first thing I would notice or care about. Um, mostly because I think Sophie's a bit of um, a dick in this film, but there we go. So Sophie is chased by the killer and then she's killed which Jennifer doesn't see, but Jennifer goes outside where a firefly helps lead her to a glove that the killer's left behind. And for some reason, it's covered in a shitload of maggots. Anyway, but the maggots show Jennifer Sophie's death. And the next day, Jennifer takes the glove to John McGregor, who tells her it's the larvae of the great sarcophagus fly that linger around rotten human flesh, which brings him to the conclusion that after their deaths the girls that have been killed, the killer is keeping their corpses close by, hence all the maggots and all the larvae. And, I mean, Jesus, that's a lot of maggots to linger around on clothes. Like, seriously, even if you were a killer, you would you'd make sure you got rid of those maggots first somehow. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just me. And Jennifer goes back to the school where the horrible headmistress gets the girls to gang up and keep an eye on Jennifer. So they all take the piss out of her for saying that she can talk to insects. And I mean, yeah, okay, I guess anyone would take the piss out of somebody who said that they could talk to insects. That's, yeah, I, I completely get that. But the girl that decides that she's going to pull a fucking fire extinguisher on Jennifer, that's going a little bit too far. Um, but yeah. The headmistress does nothing at all while this is going on, except she just says stop. And 
Frau Bruckner is just kind of in the background and she just kind of stands there. Like, seriously, like, what is her job title? What is it that she does at this school? Um, and Jennifer summons a swarm of flies to protect her and scare the girls away. And then after this, she faints. Then in the next instance, the headmistress is going to cart her off to an institution. Now, I'm not being funny, but I'm sure if you were going to how, if you were going to send one of your students off to an institution because for whatever reason you think they're crazy, I'm pretty sure that you'd have to speak to their parents or their guardian or someone, but she just decides she's going to an institution, even though she hasn't really done anything. I mean, seriously, the headmistress has just got it in for this girl. She really does. She goes as far to say in this scene that she's not normal. She's diabolic. In the Bible, they refer to the devil as Balzibub, which means Lord of the Flies. And look at her, a lady of the flies. I'm thinking that maybe teaching and looking after kids is just not her calling. I don't know about you guys. But Jennifer runs away to John, who gives her a great sarcophagus fly to try and find the killer's location. You know, just a 15-year-old girl being told to go and look for a killer with a great sarcophagus fly into the middle of nowhere in Switzerland on their own. Yeah, that that seems okay. You, yeah, okay. I mean, I wouldn't do it by myself personally. I mean, I'd say, fuck that, you go and do it, but there we go. Anyway, the fly leads her to the same house that the girl who was killed at the start of the film later referred to as Vera, was uh, the house that she found. And Jennifer goes in and learns that the tenants have moved out, but the fly goes crazy, and she's close to discovering the corpses when the landlord scares her off. But we see this shot of a rotting hand below the floorboards that the great sarcophagus has found. So this is what confuses me next. Like, Meanwhile, the detective who's on the case of the murders comes by and talks to the landlord, and after he scared, after the landlord scared the shit out of Jennifer, he finds out that the tenants have left months ago. Now, I've got two things here. If they left months ago, how, how can they, <laughs> how can they not smell that there's corpses or rotten flesh in that house? I just don't understand it. And not only that, if I was a landlord, I would be questioning why there are chains attached to the fucking wall. I mean. They never, they never indicate that the place smells or anything like that, but surely it would. Anyway, I'm just going on a tangent here. It's Again, it sounds like I'm really slate in this film, but it does have a lot of plots. <laughs> but honestly, guys, this is a great film. I promise you it is a good film. Um, and later that night, uh, the killer ends up going to John McGregor's house while Inga's locked outside, going crazy, trying to get in. And the killer murders John McGregor. So that's Donald Pleasance out of the out of the fold. And there's this really cool shot, actually, where McGregor uses, like, a laser point because he uses one to get Inga, the chimp, to remember where stuff is. And he flashes it directly on the killer and we get this close-up of their eye in red. And I think it's used, yeah, it's used on one of the posters as well, but it's one of my favourite shots in this film. I think it's really cool. 
and Jennifer goes to McGregor's house where she finds out John's been murdered. Although I'm confused as well at this point. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've, I've picked up on another thing. Who called the police? Like, because I'm assuming John McGregor lived alone. I mean, the only other conclusion I can come to with this, um, I mean, Jennifer's there, but it looks like she's just arrived. But the detective that has been working with McGregor, perhaps he went there. And also as well, the way that the detective kind of knows where Jennifer is, it makes me wonder whether off-screen McGregor probably said to him, like, he's getting Jennifer to go and look for a murderer. Can you keep an eye on her? Because he just, like, he seems to follow her around and know where she is. But uh, anyway... But yeah, I don't know who called the police, but I'm assuming that's my explanation for it. So you know, I haven't just pointed out a plot hole. I've looked, I've thought about it in this in this instance. So the next thing that she does, Jennifer, she tries to get her father's assistant Shapiro to get her on a flight back to the U.S., but instead he calls the school, and Frau Bruckner shows up and she says that she'll put her on the flight the next day, but she can stay with her for the night, and they go to this big house. In the middle of nowhere, where all the mirrors are fucking covered. That's right. All the mirrors are covered because her son doesn't like to look at himself in the mirror. Now, if that's not an indicator that you should get the fuck out of there, I don't know what is. But Jennifer wants to meet him and Frau says no because he of his crazy thoughts. So at this point, again, I would be out of there. Um, especially when Frau becomes super hostile out of nowhere and insists that Jennifer takes a pill because she's getting a fever. I mean, what? And um, not only that, but Jennifer, like, she takes the fucking pill like an idiot. Like, you just, at this point, you would just know there's something dodgy going on. And she goes to the bathroom where she sees there's maggots all over everything. And she realises that the pill that she's took is probably poisonous. So she tries to make herself throw up while Frau's knocking on the door. But then when the detective arrives, um, she knocks Jennifer out. And while Jennifer um, is knocked out in the house, Frau goes out to talk to the detective and he tells her that he's done some digging on her past and he found out that she was assaulted by a patient in an institution. So Jennifer wakes up and tries to get to a telephone to call her dad's agent, but Frau's locked it into another room. So while she tries to get it with a, a stick while leaning over the door, Jennifer um, knocks it into this hole that's in the floor, and she makes her way down to this like tunnel where the phone is, and she ends up falling into a pit of maggot-infested remains, and she sees that the detective has been chained up, and he looks like he's just been in a fucking wrestling match with a tiger. Like, what the hell has Frau done to him in those, like, couple of minutes? Um, and then Frau shows up and laughs like an evil witch as Jennifer tries to get out, which it's the same laugh. Like, I don't know if anyone knows this, but in Suspiria, um, for Helena Marcus, they got Daria um, Nicolardi to dub the the laughing and the the voice so it, if you notice in this scene it's the exact same laugh from Suspiria because Daria Nicolardi dubbed it as well but somehow <laughs> the detective manages to break out of the chains I mean I think he tries to break his thumb so he can slide it off um, and then he starts to attack Frau with chains while Jennifer gets away um, and she goes into another room where she finds Frau's little boy crying in the corner 
And Jennifer does this really wholesome thing where she tells him that it's okay, I know your mother was bad and you didn't have to be afraid anymore. And then she she takes the, the sheet off the mirror next to him, which makes him turn around and it reveals that he's disfigured and he has... Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's patio syndrome. And even though the child's never named, fans have gone on to name him uh, Patua, Patio, Patua, uh, for this reason. Jennifer screams and runs away in a, uh, to escape in the, in the motorboat, but Patua runs after her with his rod slash knife hybrid weapon that he's been using throughout the film. And um, when she screams for her life, a swarm of flies come to protect her and attack him, and he falls into the water. Uh, But then the boat catches fire, so Jennifer has to dive in and escape from the flames that are on the surface of the the water as well. But Patua tries to stop her, and eventually when he rises to the surface, he catches fire, which allows Jennifer to escape. Okay, so if that wasn't bonkers enough, get ready. Jennifer makes her way to shore, where her father's agent, Shapiro, shows up, randomly knowing exactly where she's going to be somehow. And as they run towards each other, a bloody frow appears and decapitates Shapiro with a metal sheet. And then she attempts to do the same to Jennifer uh, for killing her son and reveals that it was her who actually killed McGregor and that she just finished off the detective as well. So she says this really cheesy line here as well, like, you killed my son and now I'm going to kill you to avenge him. And it's like, what? Like... (laughs) Then out of nowhere, Inga the chimp shows up with a razor blade and she starts attacking Frau until she's dead. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this, so the movie ends and um, with Jennifer and Inga embracing each other as the title theme music kicks in and that is the end. And it's a fucking crazy ending. It's a crazy film. I swear to God, guys, honestly, it, it, I know I'm laughing, but it's just because I'm recounting what happens in the film, and it's it sounds crazy. It's a good film, honestly. It's got beautiful visuals. It's got beautiful music. There's some really great scenes, and it's just fucking crazy. So honestly, like, don't let me put you off. I mean, I'd like to think as well that the chimp and uh, Jennifer Connelly became good friends after this, but apparently the chimp tried to bite Jennifer's finger off, <laughs> and became very hostile towards her for the rest of the film. So, yeah, apparently the the chimp, Inga the chimp, was a bit of a diva on set. So, the film in general, I I do love it. It's my favourite Dario Argento film, and apparently it's his favourite of his own works too. And like I said, it's not perfect. It's really not. It's full of plot holes, and some of the editing's a little random, and yeah, it's, it's fucking insane. But I love it for that reason. It just... While it lacks the artistic flair of films like Suspiria and Deep Red, for example, Phenomena showcases Argento's ability to shock later in his his career. And I just think that it's it's in terms of his films, it's probably high up on the list of some of his best best works. So yeah, I would definitely check this one out. And the fun fact too is that the 1995 survival horror game Clock Tower was heavily inspired by Phenomena. I mean, the main character is called Jennifer Simpson and she shares a likeness with Jennifer Connelly and even the killer is inspired by Pateu as well. 
So, yeah, they took a lot of influence from Argento films in general, apparently, but Phenomena seemed to be the one they took the most inspiration from. And as I said earlier, it was known internationally as Creepers, where they cut out a lot of scenes and a lot of the gore, which made it a shorter film all in all, and it it wasn't until it was re-released on DVD that the full English language cut became available. But according to IMBD, Argento planned to make a follow-up sequel in 2001, but it never came about, and... I mean, what would the sequel be about? The Adventures of Inga the Chimp and Jennifer Connelly, <laughs> who didn't get on in the first place. Uh, I couldn't see that happening. But as a standalone film, I yeah, I I don't think it would it would need a sequel. <laughs> I mean, not long after this, Jennifer Connelly starred in the nineteen eighty six fantasy classic Labyrinth, and has since gone on to have quite the career in films such as Requiem for a Dream and A Beautiful Mind, but. This wasn't the only Italian production that Jennifer did. She also starred in a movie in 1989 called Etoile. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, which translates as star in French. Um, but it wasn't well received and the critic even compared it to Argento's work by claiming it was a remake of opera without the suspense. But from looking at the trailer, it looks to me like Black Swan. Uh, the movie Black Swan, with a romance plot added in for good measure. <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's one to check out. Um, I mean, for, Phenomena is one of those films in the UK, like I said, that Arrow Video, it re-releases or repackages it, it repackages the film constantly, and I believe that there's three releases alone that are coming up soon with the different covers, and one of them being with the Creepers VHS cover art. So if you want to check it out, there are multiple DVDs and Blu-rays out there of this film. And I also believe it's on Shudder at the moment in the UK too. I know it's on Arrow um, if you have the Arrow streaming service, but it's only in Italian for some reason on Arrow. I hope you enjoyed listening to my commentary on Phenomena, uh, which just celebrated its 37th birthday this week. So that was since its initial release in Italy. And if you have any questions, suggestions on movies you'd like me to cover, or just want a general chat, then follow at SlashicHorror on Instagram and Twitter, and you can also follow me on Instagram at LeroyCrossJames. That's two E's on the, uh, on the Leroy. But until next time, guys, enjoy your week, and I will see you on the next episode of Slashic Horror.